welcome back to From the Newsroom, the weekly podcast of the Holland Sentinel. I am visual journalist Cassie Dasko, and I am joined by a very special guest who happens to be my former boss and my friend, Richard Lakeberg. Hey, Rich. Hey, how's it going, Cassie? Not too shabby. We are, of course, not in our newsroom because the world right now and so we are both live from our homes i've been working from home for almost two months or over two months how long have you been at home now rich i'm also coming up on two months it was right around the second week of march that my current position with ottawa county uh decided to send anyone who could work remotely suggesting that they work remotely so yeah been a while yeah i don't think any of us expected it to go this long i don't think any of us expected knew what to expect that is, yeah, that is also true. To give our listeners a little bit of a background, how about you explain kind of what you did at the Sentinel and how kind of the job that we used to have? <laughs> sure. So uh, I'm going to work chronologically uh, in reverse here. I uh, was design director for the Holland Sentinel newspaper hub which basically for the layperson means that we designed newspaper pages and edited them for not only the Holland Sentinel, but for several other newspapers that were owned by our parent company, Gatehouse, which is now Gannett. So we basically being a, what we call a combination of a professional graphic designer and a copy editor, we laid out pages every day. We made stories fit. We worked on presentation, we adjusted photos, we came up with creative ideas, we wrote compelling headlines to tell the stories of the day of all sections. Uh, We did that for Holland, we uh, did that for Ionia, as well as two small papers up in the northern half of the state. I worked in the newspaper business for almost 15 years. I got my start when I was in college back in 04, the Daily Eastern News at uh, Eastern Illinois University, because I'm originally from Illinois. Graduated in 07, and I've worked for several other newspaper companies. I worked in New York State, upstate New York, for the Glens Falls Post Star, then the Herald Palladium in St. Joseph, Michigan, then the Record Eagle up in Traverse City, and then I came down to Holland. Yeah, and then you were on the desk for, or leading the desk for about not quite a year when I came on board. Yes. Yeah, so um, a little bit about my background. I started off as a editor of my college paper at Cornerstone University for four years. I did that from my freshman year until I graduated. And then right out of college, I was a TV producer up at 9 and 10 News up in Cadillac, Michigan. I did that after interning at WZZM 13 News and Wood TV8, and I thought that that was going to be my forever job. It wasn't, obviously, and came home for a few months. And then for the two years prior to working at Holland, I was at a bigger production hub on the east side of the state with a company called Digital First Media. I was there for just over two two years. I think I lasted about a week and a half past my two year anniversary, and then I came to Holland. Um, and I've been at, I've been with the Sentinel now for two and a half years, almost two and a half years. The design desk was phased out about a year ago, so I did design for about a year and a half. So yeah, that was an interesting time. <laughs> that. About, it was almost a year ago now that everything kind of happened with the desk. It was 
what we did was that, yeah, we got to lay out the pages and everything. and then, But then our parent company decided to transition our design down to our design center in Texas. But I was lucky enough to stay on at the Sentinel. Rich had actually already left on his own accord. And I was left to run the desk by myself for like three months, I think. Something like that. It was left in your capable hands. Aw, thanks, friend. So yeah, we got to cover and do some really cool stuff. Because I think something that people people don't understand is kind of what we did. A lot of people don't understand really what our job was or our job. We were technically called like paginators, page designers, and nobody really knew what that was. We have many names. We have many names. We have many, many names. I remember I would always just say, I make the paper look pretty. And that was just my simple way of explaining it. And that's a simple way of explaining, but I, I think, you know, by saying that you kind of sell yourself short too, because it's, we do a lot more than make it look pretty. I mean, that's that's an important part of it. You know, we're we're usually visual people. You know, we we enjoy presentation. We enjoy you know strong strong text, typography, and strong photos to pair with it, and you know fun dynamic fronts. But um, you know, we're also technically you know skilled. We as, as much as the job is uh, being a an artist, you're, you're also a uh, you're a bit of a puzzle master. Oh yeah. You know, uh, to making a print project where, you know, which is something that becomes rare and rare in these days in so many, so many businesses is, uh, you know, even if it was digitally on a screen, it's a finite space. Mm-hmm. And we only have, you know, the parameters, uh, the dimensions of whatever page the paper is going to be printed on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in our case, uh, give you a little insider baseball. It was, I believe, 21.25 inches Correct. long by 11.25 wide. Mm-hmm. Roughly and, 123 uh, inches of editorial space on each page. That's right. And basically what that means is uh, you got probably less than half of that for tech because, uh, you know, we take away space for the what we would call the masthead. That's that beautiful little flag what somebody might call the uh, label or header on the top of the holland sentinel you know where it actually says the holland sentinel what paper you're buying all those little numbers whatever that's already built in on the page so finding space to fit everything you have Mm -hmm. to subtract that now we have say three to four stories if we're lucky on to put on a front page we have to decide there, there are decisions to be made. You know, you have the most interesting story. You have the most visually interesting story. Mm-hmm. You also might have the most newsworthy story that, uh, you know, there's not really worth taking any photos of. Because let's face it, you know, you the reader out there, how many times can you look at someone standing behind a podium in a photo? Mm-hmm. Um, so we think about these things. That's mm-hmm. that's something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. So. Yeah. We think about, like, what is going to be visual when the newspaper is sitting on the stand, and we call that what is going to be above the fold. So I know in our design program that we use, we had a line that told us, okay, this is where the paper folds. So we know that this part will be above the fold. And so that, and that's something else that we think of. We think of what's grabbing photo to put on the top of the paper that will draw people's eye in. There's just so many little decisions, and... When it comes to stories, our the process, the kind of the way the process works is our editor in chief works with the reporters. They write the stories that they want in the paper, and then Sarah, who is our our editor in chief, she makes the decision on where she would want the stories, in what order, 
kind of stuff like that. When she's editing the stories, she will sometimes order the photos in our system to say, okay, this is kind of the one I like. But when it comes to photos and kind of stuff like that, it was kind of left up to us a lot of the time, but she would give her recommendation. So a lot of those decisions are Sarah's, but then something I found interesting and I really didn't truly understand until I was on the other side of it being the reporter with my stories going in print is that the reporters put so much trust in us. They trust us to make sure everything's spelled right, make sure the story ends, make sure it looks nice and it's presented well. And I didn't realize how big of a trust that was until I was on the other side of it. Right. And especially, you know, we all make mistakes. Yeah. Um, and when we do, um, it's it's tough. Orders information gets twisted, oftentimes completely by accident because of a stressful night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other the other part of the equation is that, you know, the way I kind of imagined it is uh, designing a newspaper every night. You know, you have to be very quick, very sharp, and you've got to be on like all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be, you know, on the ball, you know, because it's a ticking time bomb. You have to get it done at the same time time every night barring a special event like an election or something deadlines are everything so you know we had to have our pages out yeah and then and there were times where we had the printer calling us and they're like where is it and i'm like we're trying we're working we're trying Mm -hmm. like there were some nights where i remember i would just like flop down in my chair and look at rich and be like how did we just do that over and over and over again and then and the thing is you know uh a lot of people don't really realize, you know, how little time we often have to make split second decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you may be able to look back the next day or a few days later and say, OK, well, that worked, but I probably could have done it slightly different. But the thing is, you don't have that luxury mm-hmm. unless you're working on, you know, it's not that way with everything. What we're talking about here are the newspaper. So, you know, and the sports sports pages, we're talking about what we call A1, which would be, you know. The first letter and the first numeral, the front page. So the front page, the local page, the sports page, the things that when live news happens, they need to be, you know, flexible and they need to come together quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're Cassie and I are both, uh, you know, not to pat our own backs, but we're creative people and we're, we're fairly uh, talented designers and, and we can do some really interesting things. But you really had to balance that with, well, what's practical for this front what can I execute in this amount of time and then still move on to the next thing and make deadline? So, you know, sacrifices are made. Oh, yeah. There were definitely um, times you had to rein me in a few times. Absolutely. <laughs> I you know, loved I, to get I love to get super creative. And there were definitely times he would have to rein me in. Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to do because, you know, I have... I was always the same way, you know, um, when I first got out of college and started at my first uh, big newspaper job. You know, I... Kind of ran into the same thing. I butted head my supervisor because I had a vision for something, but I needed time to execute it, and we just didn't have that time. And so it's a uh, it's a hard lesson that you learn over over and over again. You know, when is it appropriate mm-hmm. to take that extra time? When is it just more appropriate to get that story in and one solid photo and and call it a day? And then sometimes you have a really good plan, and that plan falls apart completely because live news happens. Oh, yeah. Maybe news had been really slow for a week and a half, and uh, 
you know, editors like Sarah, you know, forward thinking editors plan their, uh, what we call a centerpiece, the main, uh, probably the most interesting, more, you know, human interest kind of story. You might put the center of the page on a front page, you know, a, a really high quality photo. And then like, you know, kind of like a, a profile of someone or, you know, say, you know, grandpa Carl at age 102 ran the marathon whatever the marathon is from holland to grand haven i can't remember it right now but you know say that, that you know, and, that's, and that's you know it's it's interesting right you know there's God a 10 car pile up on the highway it's 9 30 at night and there's a yeah there's a 35 car pile up because it's january 17th and there's a blinding snowstorm and uh we can get it in it's got to get in so mm-hmm. bye bye grandpa carl he's getting pulled <laughs> off the page so like i think some people I've seen is that some people will get kind of maybe a little mad at us when we when something happens late at night and they don't understand why we didn't get it in and it it, it's because it's not like the paper arrives on your doorstep at 6 a.m. It's not like we have until 4 a.m. to get content in. We have until I think our deadline at one point was like 11.15. That was like our cut all end all that we had to get the page to the press because the press had to print it. They had to get it the the inserts inserted in it and then they had to get it distributed to spots all over the county all over west michigan and then get it distributed so that it's on your doorstep by 6 a.m right we weren't riding in the back seat of the delivery car laying it out and printing it out live as you know yeah. the closest you know there's the internet's for that <laughs> yeah you know your mobile devices for that I and mean, we do a pretty good job i say we like i'm still doing it <laughs> I did, and you continue to do a very good job with keeping up as much as we possibly can with the live news, and then you get the more in-depth overview in the paper, whether you're looking at it physically still, or you're, uh, you know, looking at it online, or you're looking at the e-edition. Yep, and I, I've always said that our skill set is a very, it's a very rare skill set. It's a very weird skill set. Very. <laughs> There are not a lot of people who I think have the proficiency of InDesign as we do, but even when newspapers go away, because unfortunately they will eventually, they are a dying art and I know this, but I say that news will still have to be ingested in a way and e-editions I think will still be a thing even if the print version goes away. So I know my skill set will always be useful even in this evolving, changing journalism world. Yeah, something that um, came to mind that Rich was talking about was us having to change how we did things and change how we approached our job. And that kind of, I want, like, I, I have to kind of take the opportunity to kind of bring up a story that I think Rich knows where I'm going with this. When I started at the Sentinel in February of 2018, I was excited. I was finally back home in West Michigan. I was very eager, especially because my process of getting to the Sentinel was a very long process. And so by the time I finally got around to it, I was like, yes, I'm here. I was excited. And then I learned very quickly that things were very different from the hub that I had been at before. And I had a very rough few months and Rich had to have a lot of conversations with me that were not fun. And But I look back on that and I am so much of a stronger designer and a person because of that. And I, in the end, I think was able to completely restructure how I did my job. And in the end, I knew how to budget time so that if I wanted to do a fancy front or something, I knew, okay, I do that last and get everything else out first because then I know I have the time to devote to make 
this page something special. Yeah, and, and just in general, that's that's something that a good journalist, whether you're a visual journalist, a writer, a photographer, or uh, some combination of all three, which sometimes as a page designer we were, is, you know, getting that understanding, that sense of, you know, time, you know, a workflow. It's just incredibly important. And, and you know, and, that, and that's, I imagine, the way it should be for a or the way it is for a lot of businesses, especially for us, because things really did have to be done in a certain order mm-hmm. every single day. You know, you start with uh, you start with the uh, inside and, you know, like the low hanging fruit. You know, if you guys are familiar with flipping through every page of the Sentinel, you know, some of the first pages that are done every night are the obituaries page. The lifestyle pages. The lifestyle pages and the uh, uh, business page, if there is one. I um, always... For me, I always worked from the back forward. That was kind of the easy way for me is I would always do the lifestyle pages first while our lifestyle editor, who is now retired, which is very sad. Lori, I miss you. Lori, Lori Timmer, in a way, was the Holland Sentinel. She was. Get, I shouldn't say was. She is the Holland Sentinel. She will always be the Holland Sentinel. But yes, yeah. we, um, we would start with her pages first and then kind of we would work our way forward. We would do obits once the obit deadline had passed and Sarah had edited them all. We would put those in and then usually we'd do local and then the front page was always last. And then Rich kind of when he was helping me through my rough couple months, something he started instilling in me was like a time, like get this page done by this time, get this page done by this time. So I eventually got to a point where I was like, okay, A1 has to be done by, I think it was like seven or eight or something, depending on if we didn't have any live events. And so you eventually just kind of get into this workflow. And But what's interesting though is one of the things I loved about our job, and it stands true for any news job in general, is that our job is always changing. It is never the same. Our process may be similar, but the news is always different. Yes. You know, it's, there's always, you know, if you're, if you're someone who enjoys learning and enjoys reading and, and just kind of just knowing what's going on and understanding the world a little more, you know, you will never get bored in a newsroom. There were a lot of things that frustrated me from time to time doing what I did for a living. But uh, one of them, one of the things I loved the most was the variety, mm-hmm. you know, all these different stories, these, these the good, the bad, and, and the ugly of humanity, and uh, we're putting it together. We're getting that information out to the public, and we're, you know, we're kind of, in a way, you know, we're telling these stories, you know, we're telling history as it happens, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and this, this allows us to, like, reflect and, and kind of understand our world, you know, about as live as we can possibly do it, you know? Yep. Without without this kind of like daily commentary, record keeping, you know, like what are we? Yeah, you know, it's existential here. We 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 have you you need journalism to to understand yourself, to understand ourselves and who we are and where we are at this moment. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. And it's so interesting to look back at like my online portfolio and see history, kind of because. I see all I see all the big events that have happened and some of them I've gotten to be a part of. We're going to transition a little bit and um, Rich and I are kind of going to go back and forth talking about some of the big events we've gotten to cover and try to describe as best as we can some of the more creative... I said try to remember. Yeah, we're going to try to remember. It's been a while for both of us now, but yeah, we're going to try to kind of explain as best as we can some of the best... Or it might not even be some of the best, but some of our favorite fronts. For me personally, I know I always enjoyed when I was at the Sentinel, 
I enjoyed laying out sports. And I remember when I got to the Sentinel, I did not like laying out sports. I did not enjoy it at all because at my previous hub, it was done very differently. But getting to the Sentinel and getting to work with Dan Diadana, who is a brilliant journalist and photographer, and he, and something that I think makes a really good editor, and this is something that both Dan and Sarah have, is that they were designers at one point. They understand the process of how a paper looks and the process to get there. So it made them more open to our ideas as well as presenting ideas of their own. And so especially working on sports, for anyone who's ever met Dan Diadana, he is the most, one of the most animated, creative people I've ever met in my life. Him and I have gotten to work on some really, really cool fronts and Rich can emphasize when Dan and I would be sitting at my desk like working on something and we'd figure it out and we'd both get really excited. (laughs) Dan is a fantastic sports journalist. He had because he has vision, yep. and some of the some of the most exciting fronts Cassie and I did and can attest to. No offense, newsroom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the Sentinel for a variety of reasons, you know, um, just because the nature of what sports is. It's action. Um, it's make, movement. And make it more fun. But also, Dan Dan goes into his job every day thinking about presentation as much as he's thinking about content. Mm-hmm. And sports, you know, not much happening right now, but, you know, usually... Uh, you know, there's there's sports going on all year, and Dan loves to get the personal stories. He loves doing features. Exactly. Well, and he convinces them to take you know interesting, be willing to take interesting shots of them. You know, and he takes that time. And so, I mean, like sometimes you know you throw like eight or ten fantastic photos at us, and when like, well, page kind of half designed itself because it's like, well, I have like three fantastic photos. How could I not use these? Mm-hmm. You know, and so like if you have strong photos, you have a strong page. Mm-hmm. I remember there have been many, many sports fronts that I've gotten to do because that was definitely something I would bug Rich and be like, okay, Dan and I have this idea. Can I do sports today? Can I do sports today? And I think half the time he let me do it just so that I'd stop bugging him. But, and especially if it had a Cornerstone athlete on the front. Dan did this big feature on Sam Vanderslice from Cornerstone when he was getting ready to graduate. And Dan knew, of course, that I had, I loved anything Cornerstone. So he and I actually talked about, okay, how would you shoot this? What idea do you have? And we came up with this idea and Dan and went and did the photo shoot accordingly, brought the photos back. And I was able to make this really cool front where Sam was sitting on a chair and his nickname is Big Slice. So Dan had gotten a pizza and they only cut it into four pieces and had Sam eating this giant slice of pizza. And I had it looking like he was sitting on the headline. And then during the photo shoot, he had dropped a pepperoni on the floor. So just for kicks and giggles, I cut out the pepperoni. And by cut out, I mean, I just removed the background so that I could manipulate it a little bit more. And I cut out the pepperoni and had it sitting on the bottom of the headline. And still to this day, people look at that headline and they're like, the pepperoni. And so yeah, I loved that front. Sam loved it. His sister, um, I believe, actually got it framed for him. So and when he found out that a Cornerstone grad got to lay it out, that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, whenever there was anything Cornerstone, uh, Cassie was all over it, which wasn't too frequent, considering too bad. Oh, is uh, yep. Holland and Cornerstone's on the other side of GR. Speaking of sports, one of the more fun sports front stories that I laid out actually ended up running on the front page. And uh, it was a story by Chris Zetorozny. Chris Zetorozny about a, a well-known Holland coach who basically coached a bunch of different uh, soccer players who then went on to uh 
become coaches themselves. So he came to me and he had this vision for, you know, like some kind of a tree. He's like, this is like a coaching tree, like a family tree. How can we, you know, do this? And, uh, you know, and it's like, well, on itself, the story itself, image-wise, isn't that exciting because you've got, okay, you could have like, you know, seven profile shots of various coaches and working with people. And then that can be cool. But, you know, we wanted to take it a step further. So I, uh, you know, did a cutout of the main coach, which like Cassie described before is, you know, and uh, use a program Photoshop to remove the background of an image. Basically, you know, that way you can manipulate it and make it stand out, wrap things around it if you so choose. And then uh, I went into Illustrator, used some of my artistic skills to draw a tree of sort. And from there, then I dropped in the images of these different uh, former students who became coaches themselves. And it was a really fun way to present this interesting story about how this coach had inspired so many coaches, you know, so many, um, you know, players to become coaches themselves because of this guy. It, it truly was a coach. So that's a really good example of how it's, de- it was definitely a group effort. A lot of the time they, there would be times where the reporters would come over to us and be like, Hey, I have this image. I have this idea. How can we make it work? Or like Rich said, no offense to the newsroom. We love the newsroom. But it just sometimes that happened a lot more on sports. We worked second shift. So we were in the office from like 3 or so until 11, midnight, 1 a.m. until Rich kicked me out. (laughs) But most, and so we were always there late with sports. And so they attended, they got a little bit more input on what they wanted their pages to look like. But it's, it's a group effort. We worked alongside the editors and the reporters and make sure that, it looked kind of how they wanted it and then how we thought it would work best. So yeah, some of the other big sports fronts I've gotten to do, I anything gymnastics, because I am a huge gymnastics nerd, and I think that is an understatement. Anything gymnastics I loved to do, but I always had fun when Dan was doing his all area players of the year profiles. I always kind of liked making those special, making those stand out. And thankfully, those were ones that most of the time he had written a couple days ahead of time. And we would have time to really give them the time it deserved to make it look right. But and I remember a little random memory. I remember I think it was my very first week at the Sentinel. I did this front for a swimmer and Dan got an email from the kid's mom saying how much she loved it. And Dan's like, this never happens. You've been here for a week. And I'm like, yeah, no. I thought. Yeah, like the hundreds of times he's done special features and layouts and never got the you know, like, thanks. And then you just had to be here a couple of days. Yeah. I remember being nervous about that too, because I'm here. I am training her. She's only been here for a few days. I know she's got the chops to design, but you know, like to throw her and allow her to like spend extra time to do something creative is not something you want to, you know, take a chance on when you only have a certain amount of hours to do a page. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay. I remember like looking at my own work and trying to figure out if there was enough time for me to jump in and finish her pages. If for some reason she couldn't pull it off, but she did. And she did a great job. Thank you, sir. I remember my very first, my very first day, he had me doing a live sports page that was going to go right up till deadline, and he was preparing to have to take it over, but he never had to because I got it done, and I was very proud of myself. That's true. I was a kind of a trial by fire sort of manager. And also, okay, so we can't, you can't say that without mentioning the fact that y'all, he was at this. 
I was at the Citadel for like a week and a half, and then he goes on vacation for two weeks. So it was really baptism by fire. But it was also it was also my fault for making you wait for me for an extra month. My, I had to end yeah. up staying after I finally accepted the job at the Sentinel. I had to wait an extra month because my old job needed me to stay. So he's just like chopping up the bit to get me at the Sentinel. Position needed to be filled, and we were we were definitely dying to get somebody in there. And I had also planned a vacation. Mm-hmm. Florida, and uh, you know we we were able to make it work. And there was only one catastrophe only while you were one gone. Snap. It was great. Nate yeah. and I held the fort down. It was good. Yeah, it kicked butt. <laughs> oh, thanks. Switching a little bit over to like the new side a little bit. There's definitely been there's a little bit of extra pressure when you're designing the front page because you know that that's what's going to be on newsstands. That's what people are going to see first. And so and especially when you put that on top of like big events, it's a big deal. And one of my top, I guess my top five fronts I've ever done, it was the 2016 uh, presidential election was the first election that I covered as a professional journalist. I was a professional journalist during the whole, because um, I graduated from college in 2015. I don't know if I said that. But yeah, I I was at, I was at my old hub called uh, Digital First Media out on the east side. And I remember the night of the primary, we cut so close to deadline. It was insane. And then the night of the actual election wasn't all that stressful for me. Because like I said, the hub I was at was a lot bigger. And we did five or six papers out of Michigan. And then we also laid out four papers out of New York. And I was working on one of our New York papers. Their deadlines were much earlier. They weren't going to get the presidential results in no matter what. So the election night, that really wasn't all that stressful for me. The stressful night for me was inauguration day. I... I worked on the of the front page for the Oakland Press, which was the flagship paper for that hub. I I remember I think I was in a 3-hour design meeting about that front. So that shows you how much thought we take into like big events like that cuz like for inaugurations, that's once every 4 or 8 years. Like that's a big deal. So we wanted to make sure it was right. So we were in a 3-hour design meeting about it, and I not only had to design the front for the Oakland Press, I also designed the fronts for all eight of our papers that we had out that day. All I did was front pages that day. And I remember I was so stressed out, but those are still to this day some of the my favorite fronts I've ever done. And ugh, they're stressful, but like it's, I will say, it's so satisfying to see something you worked really hard on in print. Like I have a couple of fronts that I really, really love. I have I have them framed in my house and that's one of them because it drove me nuts, but it was the best front I've ever done. And one of the ones that got me the job with Sentinel. <laughs> so Interestingly enough, talking about political deadlines, some of the design centers that I worked at uh, didn't have the same approach where they would have one person on doing one part of all the papers. My boss at the uh, Traverse City Record Eagle, Brian Steele, Great journalist, great designer. During the 2016 election, definitely uh, spread out the love uh, to give different designers a chance to show off what they could do. Um, But Brian specifically wanted me to uh, pre-design the uh, Traverse City Record Eagle front, uh, which was our flagship paper. Uh, when I was working at that hub. Brian, you know, because I was one of the more technically skilled in that newsroom as far as using Photoshop and different techniques. Yeah, so we got two pretty fresh photos, one of Hillary Clinton, one of Donald J. ready, and I 
did some painstakingly care cutouts so we could have a really big, bold, dramatic. I spent a lot of time on both of them, and we had both set up. But uh, I was actually working an earlier shift that day, so I actually went home um, and didn't finish the front. I went home at about, I can't remember exactly, it was probably around 9 o'clock, and then uh, there was a couple of designers that were going to stay for the duration. Well, as everyone knows, it was a really, really close election. And several things went wrong. One, real results never came out till three o'clock in the morning. Two, specifically at our hub, the person who I had handed off the page to had major computer problems that night. And the pages that I designed that I spent all afternoon and evening on never ran. I think, yeah. (laughs) The files crashed. This is the other danger. You know, we're always beholden to technology. The pages crashed and uh, wouldn't reopen, Um, which anybody who's done any work on computers knows that that does happen on rare occasions, and Murphy's Law said it was going to happen that night. So the nice cutouts I had done um, and the pages I had laid out, gone. And uh, they went with uh, the quickest photo they could find of Donald Trump um, and saying that it was too close to call, but it was looking like he was ahead. I think they went to press at probably 2 a.m. The thing is... You know, sometimes Murphy's Law jumps in and just sort of feels, <laughs> you know, uh, steals victory from the jaws of defeat or steals defeat from the jaws of victory is what I meant to say. <laughs> I remember something you said made me remember. Um, you told me one time that sometimes your best pages never see the light of day. And one of the very last pages I designed before leaving Digital First Media, the shooting at Parkland High School in Florida had just happened and we were doing a special front with photos of all the survivors. And I remember my VP, who was the news editor of Oakland at the time, him and I were going back and forth because he had this idea and I had this idea. And for anyone who knows me, I am one of the most stubborn people you will ever meet, especially when it comes to kind of design and when I want and I'm when I'm really passionate about what I want to do. And him and I just went back and forth and back and forth. And by the end of that conversation, I lost. And I also think he was very happy I was on my way out. <laughs> but and I actually still have a printout of that page, because I was so extremely proud of it, but it never saw the light of day, and it was really sad. Sometimes, you know, you have to take your pride and take it down a few notches. You know, it's a newspaper design. As much as you have ownership over that page, it is a team sport, Mm -hmm. and sometimes your vision isn't going to agree with everyone. So to be flexible, you have to have a tough skin because all of a sudden your little your little piece of work is put in front of 10,000, 15,000 people. And, you know, you have to be able to take that criticism. Yeah, uh, for sure. Another thing that I really liked about kind of working at night and getting to hang out with Dan was that him and I would just talk all the time. And he's a very skilled journalist. And I I've, I'm consider myself really, really lucky that I have gotten to learn from Rich and from Dan. And a lot of the things that they've talked to me about I've had to then put into practice, especially when we get really big, really big, hard hitting news. And one that will always hold a special place in my heart, even though it is literally heartbreaking, is we had a story in October of, I think it had to be either 20, it had to be 2018. Yeah, October of 2018. Freshly newly married couple. They had only been married for about three weeks. Um, Hannah and Logan, they were killed in a car accident. And we had a very touching feature written by our now managing editor, Audra Gamble. And like, 
Go back and read it, people. I was bawling like a baby. But we wanted to do something very special for the front. And I remember Rich and I had to have a couple of conversations about how to make it artistic but very and special, but still not... You can't overdo it with something like that. And I, I am very proud of the front we ended up putting together. Audra and I actually both have it pinned up at our desk at the Sentinel office. But it, it was their wedding photo and we put the story like right on the page so that the photo took up the entire front page. And I had had a friend who was a who was friends with them and so it kind of hit home for me a little bit. But that will always be a front that was heartbreaking and will always hold a very, very special place in my heart. And that night, Dan and I were outside walking to our cars and we were talking about the front and how I said I was very proud of it because I had worked really hard on it. And I had mentioned something about, oh, awards season, because we have these different awards that we submit for. And he gave me a piece of advice that said, he was like, you never design a front page with awards in mind, but if they happen, that's cool. But, and for me, that's how I approach designing pages. I don't do it for recognition or people saying, oh, it's like, I do it because one, I love design. It's a very unique skill that I just kind of stumbled into in college and have run with it. And I consider myself really lucky that I get to help present these people's stories. Our reporters work really hard on these stories and it was our job to make sure that they were presented the best way that we could in the most accurate way we could because something else about our job was we were the very last line of defense. Like the stories were edited and approved by Sarah and then we put them on the page and we were the last people to see it before it goes to print because our press guys, they're not meant to catch errors though sometimes it has happened you know we appreciate it from time to time they may have noticed something but it wasn't their responsibility it was our responsibility it was yep and so that was that was something i always kind of had a hard time wrapping my head around and the pressure of okay i'm the very last person that's going to see this before i drop it into the folder and it's in the press because once you send it to the press it's kind of known you only call it back unless the world is ending you don't call it back unless the world is ending, pretty much. Speaking of sad news fronts, I, from time to time, would find myself laying out papers, and then at the last moment, a celebrity would just die. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, I was laying out the front page of the Herald Palladium back in 09, and uh, I want to say it was pretty late in the evening when it broke that Michael Jackson had passed. Even though he had died early in the morning, news outlets were the only information to have was that you know something had go- happened to michael jackson and that there was possibly drugs involved you know overdose you know not confirmed it wasn't confirmed until much much later in the day and uh i remember um i was constrained on the front because we had a fairly important story about some local political issue and i would have liked to have given uh michael jackson a little more space but i got him in above the fold and it was it was just kind of sad these these situations it's sad when it happened because you know whether you really know this uh these different famous people are very well or if you're not even that into them. AP, the Associated Press, is a place where we get these kind of national stories and international stories from. And, you know, another part of being a, a good page designer is, is choosing the right photo mm-hmm. to accompany these wires, what we call wire stories, national news stories that we just, you know, subscribe to to run in to have a well rounded paper. And I remember just flipping through all these different 
uh, pictures of Michael Jackson's career from the Jackson five when he was like a nine year old boy all the way till, you know, being 50, I think he was 50, early fifties when he passed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I'm not particularly a big Michael Jackson fan, but you know, when someone passes, someone passes. And then when you flip through those photos, it's not hard to feel some. It's, you know, you're going to feel something, you know, I was, mm-hmm. I was flipping through photos. I'm like, God, what, which Michael Jackson do I choose? Because, you know, Michael Jackson's story was a very, very long, kind of sad. And, and complicated story mm-hmm. you know do i use uh, the little boy from gary indiana do i use the the young man who you know became a heartthrob in the early 80s with thriller or do i do i use the troubled adult yeah you know and uh that happened more than once um again uh i remember i was laying out the front page when prince died at uh mm-hmm. city record eagle and yeah, i was uh, at dfm when that happened i remember yeah i was you know, it's just another thing. It's like, okay, well, it's, uh, and you know, and it, it, I hate to say it, but newspapers don't always put every celebrity on the front page. It kind of depends on the day, whether we have the space. I mean, if something more dramatic was happening, you know, when I was in Traverse City, say, you know, if downtown Traverse City was burning down, well, guess yeah. what? That's more important than Prince dying. I'm sorry. Um, but, it, but it is sad, you know, because a lot of these, these celebrity deaths can be being random. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we have, obviously, when big events happen, before we started recording, you and I were talking about how you had to rip up the front page when Osama bin Laden died. Yeah, um, that was back in uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, fairly fairly late at night, uh, people will remember, you know, the, the war on terror had dragged on for uh, quite a few years at that point. And, and a lot of us, frankly, had kind of forgotten about Bin Laden. And uh, then all of a sudden, I'm getting ready to send the front page for the Herald Palladium down in St. Joseph to the press. At, it's like 10.45 at night, and news bulletin comes across. Obama comes on, interrupts the, I think we had like the like Kalamazoo news station on, and, you know, bulletin that Osama Bin Laden, the master behind, behind the 9-11 attacks and the attacks on the USS Cole, uh, had been had been killed and um it was a weird feeling because you know you had this you know this evil player that had caused so much strife and destruction and then uh not too long after across the wire around the world pictures were being shared of people celebrating and i had to rip up my front page i don't remember what the centerpiece was that day but uh it must have not been that big of a deal because like all i can remember is having to make room for bin laden and uh you know you remove those feelings when you're laying it out you put the news there bin laden uh killed in you know covert strike mm-hmm. something like that was my headline um and then so many people were celebrating and it's like you know what celebrating anyone's death even if it just felt weird yeah we have to felt- make we have to make judgment calls like that because yeah i have a story once you're done with that about kind of something similar yeah no it's uh that's, that's pretty much it. I remember trying to choose, you know, whether I wanted to, what kind of photo mm-hmm. I wanted to use with that. And I ended up just settling on a basic standard one column picture of, of Bin Laden that we had all seen. But it was, a, it was a victory and a tragedy sort of at the same time. Yeah, when I was in college, one of the, and I was a student journalist, I, one of the first big events that we had to cover, I remember I was sitting in my editor's meeting. 
and we had just planned out what the paper was going to look like that week. And all of a sudden, our phones started buzzing, and we all started getting, like, news alerts and whatever, and we see about the bombing at the Boston Marathon. And I remember we looked up at our advisor, and he was like, okay, well, we're ripping the front, we're, we're ripping the paper apart now. And we're like, yep. And so we all just started going down, and I remember I worked on a story about public safety with another reporter, and then I remember I took a photo of my friend who I just happened to catch looking at her computer reacting to an interview with the dad of one of the two people who was killed in the bombing. Um, and I think, I can't remember how old he was, but he was a pretty young boy. I want to say like l- less than 10. I can't remember off the top of my head. And I just remember it was a quote from the dad and my friend was just like in shock. And I took that photo. It ran on the front page, but it was just one of the most touching photos I've ever taken. And I have it framed in my house and but that was just one of the first big events that I covered as a journalist and it was crazy because we had to kind of make a judgment call on photos because obviously we were subscribed to The Wire as well and so we of course are getting all these photos from the bombing and we're just like we can't use that it's it was just it was crazy and I remember us kind of making the same judge kind of judgment call when I was at DFM about when like the Orlando Pulse shooting happened we have to make judgment calls because our editors aren't there to make that decision for us sometimes if we I'm, I know I a few times if I really had a question I would send the photo to Sarah and be like hey is this too much or is this okay? And she would give me her opinion, but leave it up to us. Yeah, often with tragedies, it's very tricky, um, you know, especially laying out a newspaper. If you happen to be working and something happens in the evening or whenever your workflow is happening, and a lot of these, a lot of these breaking stories, uh, you know, tra- national tragedies and things like that, you know, they're they're developing. They're 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 constantly developing, and, and some of the, the earliest information you get are photos, and you have to be very careful with those because you know, visual journalists, being the the great photographers they are, they're, they're taking photos of everything, and uh, some of those photos can be quite graphic. Oh, yeah. And uh, depending on, you know, what kind of media organization you are and uh, what, what your kind of house rules are, you know, some larger, you know, national organizations might be willing to run some some things that, you know, a paper like the Holland Sentinel is not, you know, because mm-hmm. the idea is, you know, one of the old sayings is, you know, what do you want to look at while you're eating breakfast? Mm. Uh, so, you know, uh, sometimes and, and you kind of have to play sleuths a little bit, you know, like those old kid games searching for a photo and be like, do you see this? Do you see that? You know, sometimes uh, the photo might look fine, but in the upper right, there's there's blood or maybe there's, you know, a, a dead body. Um, and that's when we get really creative with cropping. Yes. You can always like, remove things. If it turns out to be the best photo, you know, mm-hmm. it still tells the story. Uh, you know, we can, we can adjust things. But uh, Getting photos right is half the job. Okay, so we're getting down to the end here, but Rich, I kind of want to... I have one more kind of favorite thing I've done. So what is maybe like your favorite thing you look back on and like that was your favorite project you've ever done? I would have to say one of the one of the coolest projects that I was a part of was a fairly serious project. Right before I left the Traverse City Record Eagle, we were doing a long, kind of like an in-depth investigative report on basically racial racial bias in the uh, court systems up in the Grand Traverse area. And uh, the journalists I was working with were pouring through an insane amount of statistics over the past, from like the past like 15 or 20 years 
And they had to do a ton of legwork to figure out, you know, the information was there, but it wasn't organized in a way that uh, they needed it. And so they spent so much time filtering through and getting this data to, you know, reveal itself and show that, yeah, it looks like that basically if you were busted with a small amount of some kind of a drug, whether it would be, you know, marijuana, because, you know, of course it wasn't too long ago when that was illegal and some other, you know, alcohol things, whatever, if you were uh, African-American or some other race, you were going to get, the, the numbers showed that you were going to get a longer prison sentence, almost wow. guaranteed. And uh, we needed to show these statistics visually, which is hard. This stuff can be very dry on paper, but I, we were afforded the time to spend almost a month just meeting about this section and spending time trying to figure out the best way we could present this information dynamically and yet, you know, truthfully. So I got to spend a lot of time just figuring out different ways to, to mess around and, and design some interesting charts and graphics that really told this story. It wasn't necessarily the most uh, fun in the way I would say that like doing a sports front or, you know, some of the uh, entertainment things that I've done in the past. I could talk all day about those, but this felt really different. This was meaningful. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was, you know, really, really uh, testing the testing my creativity in a way that I wasn't used to. And then really being able to to help the public understand what was going on there. For sure. So that's one of the. That's one of my favorite projects, and I still have several copies of that saved and plan on looking at it for inspiration from time to time. For sure. Sometimes I think some of the, sometimes my favorite fronts aren't necessarily the ones that are the most artistic, but they're the most, or they're the ones that hit you the most. Like the Hannah and Logan front, it wasn't anything like huge and like, like it wasn't like this big cutout or something, but it was just this story that was so meaningful and so special that I'll take it with me forever. But... My favorite project, it was last summer at the Sentinel, and we had just phased out the design department to our to our design center in Texas. But our sports editor, Dan Diodana, he does a special like summer project every year. And this year, he came up with this idea about, and he called it Muscles and Mechanics, a Blueprint to Success. And this thing was a monster. It was a series of six front pages. And Dan took thousands of photos of all these different kids. And we had this idea of a blueprint. And so I designed the blueprint from scratch. And I did cut out for eight hours a day for three weeks. <laughs> it was insane. And then I put these graphics together. We did six for print, six for online. I drew the arrows for the weight because the way it was presented was he had all of them doing actions of showing what muscles they had to use and what direction and how much force and what angles. And I drew all of the elements for that. I drew all of the arrows. I drew all of the angles. I did all the cutouts. I put the pages together. I layered them up and did fades when I needed to and made the arrows look like they were weaving in and out of people. And it was the most painstaking project I've ever done, but it was just so cool. It was it was Dan's idea that I helped bring to life and we worked our 
tail off on that thing. And I think it turned out pretty cool. It is one of the things I have it pinned up on my desk. And it's just one of these projects that you look at it and you're like, this took so much work that maybe people don't understand. But for me, I've said it before, like, that doesn't matter to me. I don't need people to like applaud me saying, oh, it looks so cool. It took so long. And I was just like, I had fun doing it. And I got to help Dan take this idea and present it to the world. And yeah, that was a really cool series. And yeah, it was... Yeah, it will forever be one of my favorites. Forever be one of my favorites. Yeah, I had already left the Sentinel, but when I saw that copy, Cassie texted me to remind me that it was coming out. Uh, and I went and got a copy, and I was executed beautifully. You know, I, I can't see... It's definitely one of her best, if not Aww. the best. Aw, thank you. And that's a very big compliment coming from you. So, yeah, that was... Yeah, that will... And Dan and I, um, we did get an AP award for that, so that was pretty cool. That was a nice little... Yay! Because, <laughs> like, like I said, awards don't matter, but they're nice when they come along every once in a while. Well, they sure are nice. You know, I've won a few awards, and, and some of the awards that I've won are for pages that I didn't necessarily spend mm-hmm. that much time on. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And uh, the one the one page that surprised me that I won an award for back in 2016 was actually a food page front for the oh. Record Eagle. I think I showed this to you. Yes, you did. Yeah, uh, it was uh, just a drink recipe for uh, making different fun drinks while you're uh, watching the Kentucky Derby. And uh, it was a recipe for mint juleps. And all I did was I had a gr- I had a lead photo of bartender at a local bar making the drink. Our photographer was creative enough to take a, a nice slightly, mostly a- above, but slightly on an angle shot of the drink, the straw and a little bit of mint. It was a mint julep. And uh, I was able to cut that out in a sharp enough photo and kind of tie the drink in with the headline mm, so yeah actually like the straw was part of the headline and uh i was proud of it i was happy with it but it never i didn't think it was gonna you know i didn't i definitely didn't go in there thinking that and uh, lo and behold i i won first place michigan newspaper awards um for the best feature front that year it was a nice accolade i remember i did a front with it was a, it was one of dan's players of the year and it was a soccer player and he took a photo of her bouncing the ball off her head and i remember i took the headline and made the soccer ball the o of one of the words and, i remember that one and that was one of the war the one of the fronts that we submitted when i won sports designer of the year for gatehouse they had this little inner company um awards that they did and rich had actually won sports designer of the year the year before and then i won the next year so that was kind of cool but I had also done, um, yeah, I, I could talk forever about sports fronts. Dan would probably be upset with me if I didn't mention one of his favorites, which is this one called, uh, it was a pole vaulter. And we had it look like she was pole vaulting around and over the headline. That was one of his favorites. And I, I love that one too. And I, yeah, I've been lucky enough to do a lot of different cool stuff. And Rich and I actually won an award together last year. So that was cool. So I have a plaque oh, with... Great to share something. Uh, like on my way out of uh, working at the Sentinel, it was great to and find out that we shared an award. Yeah, that was cool. And so, yeah, I have that plaque, too. So that was cool. And I think we won for headlines. Yeah, we did. That was for creative headlines because I had written one called um, Running Through the Two Tulips Mm -hmm. for the Tulip Time 5K. And I remember Dan hated that headline, told us to take it out, and we forgot. (laughs) 
Yeah, you just never know what's, what it's going to be. Uh, They're subjective. One of, my, one of my winners was barreling back into business. Ah, yep, I remember that one. Yep. Douglas Root Beer Barrel, and it was just a silly one. I It didn't take me that long to come up with that one. You know, sometimes we spend, you know, what seems like a lot of time when you're laying out a page. If you spend more than 15 minutes trying to come up with a headline, you start to worry, at least on deadline. Mm-hmm. Um but that one came to me and it was just, it was just like a gift. It's like, well, here it is because you got this giant root beer barrel restaurant and it's back in business after 30 years or something. It might've been 40. I don't know. It was a long time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one reward for that, that little, little header. So yeah, it's, yeah, we've been lucky enough to design a lot of cool stuff and it's, our job was definitely different. It was definitely interesting. It's, I always consider myself lucky that I got to do a job that I love and get paid for it. And I had lots of fun working late at night with Rich, especially though there were times where we would get cranky, but it's 11 o'clock at night. You were not going to be the happiest people in the entire world, but yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think we're going to wrap this up. I hope everyone out there is staying safe and staying healthy. We will, we're going to still bring the news to you as best we can in the situation that we're in but we're trying and I hope you guys like this different view of our how kind of the newsroom works it's a little different now that we don't have our design in-house but I I know I liked getting kind of to share because I haven't really gotten a chance to tell people kind of what my job was so now I can be like okay you want to know my job is here you go yeah thanks for having me Cassie it was great to walk down memory memory lane and uh you know kind of break down my experience and uh, the weird little uh, career we had. Someday, I don't know, who knows what the future holds for journalism is always changing, but that's the fun part of it. So There's so much you can do, though. Yes, there You're is. You're doing it right now with videos and audio, like this podcast right now, something I've never done. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of taken the, I've, we've, we stole, actually, fun fact, we stole this idea from Dan. Dan and Bo, our assistant sports editor, they have been doing kind of their top hits over on their From the Press Box uh, podcast. And so we stole this idea from them. And so the news side has kind of been doing that. We did it with Sarah and Brian. And then Audra and Carolyn talked about what it's like being a crimes and courts reporter. And then our business reporter broke down some what it was like kind of covering business in downtown Holland when so many businesses were booming. And so now we have our little piece of the puzzle. And so... I'm not sure who's going to be podcasting next week, but hopefully we can keep this trend going. But yeah, thanks for sitting down with me, Rich, even though you're standing right now. But <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys later on the next episode of From the Newsroom from the Hall.